You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson back in action talking all things Texas A&M. And happy new year. 2020 is officially over. And you were listening to the very first episode of Locked on Aggies in 2021. That means that there is an Aggies game day coming up. And what is better than talking about Texas A&M than getting a better perspective from someone who knows the team you're facing more than anybody else. That's why I brought on a very special friend of mine, a very special guest to break down everything we need to know for the 2021 Orange Bowl. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality sounding podcast Monday through Friday, give me a follow, give me a shout out, and I will add it into the mix. Secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th May related content found here on LOP. You can subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. This is not only just a Locked On Aggie show, this is a Locked On Tar Heel show, and our guest today, or I am her guest today, we love talking college football. She is the host of Locked On Tar Heels. She's also the Monday morning host of Locked On College Football. Make sure you guys are following her at Candice D. Cooper. Candice Cooper, joining the podcast. Candice, what's going on? Cole, thank you so much for having me. I love the energy already. That's getting me excited for Saturday. I feel like it's going to be such a great game because we got two teams here that are both trying to prove themselves worthy. And I'm, I mean, I'm a little worried. Can't lie. I feel like a little pissed off Aggie is not necessarily good for a Tar Heel, but we're going to get it done and it's going to be a good day. I feel like the bowls so far have been a little disappointing, if I can say. Let's just go with this. New Year's Six Bowl games have kicked off. We watched the game on, uh, I believe it was, yeah, it was Wednesday night. And we saw two very different teams out there. We saw a Florida team that felt like they were deserving of being in the college ball playoff conversation, come out, struggle immediately, have no rhythm, no consistency. Kyle Trask kind of ends his Heisman hopes, ends his you know college career on a sour note. And now you look at Oklahoma, they look like a team that's ready to beat. When you see that and, and you just see some of the teams just all around college football, just for, just to bring it into perspective, yeah. when they don't make the college football playoff, does this worry you about a team like North Carolina or a team like Texas A&M going into this game? Well, see, I think Carolina is so happy just to be here, right? We haven't been to a bowl game since the 1950s of this caliber. So we're literally just happy to have be in the top conversation, right? We're enjoying the fact that we're playing a Texas A&M. And I think that for a lot of the guys, before we had like the opt-outs and stuff, uh, everyone was excited about it. Now, will our team look differently? Of course, but at the end of the day, we can't say from a football perspective that we've been in national news. So it's a really credit to Mac Brown and company, but I'm sure for people like Texas A&M who were number five finishing in the college football playoffs, y'all feel a little salty, but I'm, I'm shocked that y'all don't have more opt-outs or any really, because everyone wants to play for the chip at this point. So it does take a knock on how bowls are looked at. There is not a single opt-out on Texas A&M side that is one of the starters. However, cornerback Devin Morris has been ruled out with a concussion. He plays the nickel role, which would have been a big deal should uh, both running backs, uh, Carter and you know Williams, be playing. Unfortunately, they've also opted out. We'll talk about that in a minute. But you just mentioned it. A&M finished number five. 
you host a show, Locked On College Football, on Mondays. You get the reviews. You see all the games. You're the very first person to talk to. When you look at the College Football Playoff Committee, I've been on your show before. We've talked about this. Yeah. Did the College Football Committee get it right with the top four teams? You know, I think it's difficult to say. Having Notre Dame, I don't know how you make a strong case for them in the sense that the ACC is so weak, right? If you look at from a full landscape, besides Clemson, it the, it drops significantly, right? So I don't know how you argue for them to be in the number four spot and also considering that they got murdered during the Clemson ACC championship game. So it's like, how do you still allow them to be in there? And then also you have an Ohio state who only played six games, which makes me, I just, I can never understand that. I get where Dabo Sweeney is coming from. And this is of their teams that play 10 or 11 games that were not, but the same token, you know, we know how it, at the end of the day, I just want everyone to be honest about what this is. It's politics, it's money. And if we could just get there in our spirit, it'd be a lot easier for us in our fandom. <laughs> right? I mean, let's, let's just be completely honest on this. Texas A&M was ruled out of the college ball playoff committee when they lost by 28 to Alabama. Yeah. And then after that, Oklahoma was out when they lost to uh, Kansas State in week two after back-to-back losses. If you look at the way Oklahoma played last night, uh, I mean, on, on, on Wednesday night, there's yeah. no question in my opinion that they should have been deserving of a top four spot with the way the roster looked. Unfortunately, they lost two games. Ohio State did not lose two games. Ohio State was pretty much told they're going to go to the college football playoff when they were given the warrant from Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, yeah. that they were going to be able to play in the Big Ten game. We all know it's politics. I mean, anybody who does not believe that politics do not play a big role in this is amazing. Candace Cooper locked on heels joining us today. Candace, I have been really high on a player coming out of North Carolina for a very long time. I watched him play his first snap last year and I said, this kid is going to be incredible. This kid is going to be the next real deal and he is going to make an impact for the Tar Heels for a while. And that is Sam Howell. I feel like Sam Howell gets lost in the conversation in the ACC because of a name, Trevor Lawrence. What you've seen this past season from Howell in his sophomore year, second year under the Mac Brown regime in the actual system, what have you seen from him that can separate him, even though he will be without several options on the offense? Right. I think Sam Howell, first and foremost, has grown. A lot of people were talking about a sophomore slump as we started the year. Nobody gave grace to the fact that we're in a pandemic and we're trying to survive COVID all while playing college games. But Sam really has taken on a different leadership role in the sense that he has always been the guy who just performs. He's not necessarily the most vocal, but he is the guy that's going to show up every day and do the necessary things to get done. Right. He has been in top conversations, but of course, Trevor Lawrence, like you mentioned, is Mr. You know, play boy he's the poster child of all quarterbacks but Sam Howell is not to be slept on he is this up-and-coming rising junior that's going to be the top quarterback in the AC if not the nation and for when you look at his stats he's almost throwing for 35 touchdowns on the year he's just incredible right and he's had some great weapons but he's also learned patience a lot of times we've gotten we've gotten frustrated especially at the beginning of the year we saw with the loss against Florida State and the loss against Virginia he was rushing it he was forcing it He's learned to just throw the ball away. And I think that's from every young quarterback trying to make the big play, right? Live to see another down. And I think when you have guys like Deami, when you have guys like Javante and Michael Carter, you're assuming like they're going to make something out of it. So let me just try. And I'm like, no, sometimes the play is just not there. So I'm really glad to see that growth with Sam Howell. 
3,352 passing yards this season. He also had a 69 completion rating, 27 touchdowns against six interception, a rating of 182.2. Sam Howell is the real deal. I'm telling you guys right now, I this is this is me talking from an NFL perspective and my other job. I like Sam Howell a lot. Another name I really like, Michael Carter. What he yeah. was able to do this past season, 1,245 rushing yards, a league high of eight yards per carry nine touchdowns he was paired with javata williams who led the acc in rushing with 19 touchdowns both are out for this game and they are both not playing and now we got sam howell who has five rushing touchdowns on the year let's just get that out of the way yeah average 1.5 yards per carry as the leading rusher dj jones and elijah green will have their opportunity they have combined for a grand total of 110 yards and one touchdown on the year. Just in little spits of what you've seen from them, even though I do want to go back to Carter and Williams a little bit, what have you seen from Jones and Green this season in their limited roles? Well, you know, I think those are two of the guys that I honestly wouldn't even hype. I think I look at Josh Downs and Emory Simmons and British Brooks and Josh Henderson, who are going to be our offensive weapons. But more importantly, Daz Newsome. He is the guy who a lot of people have slept on because he didn't get the De'Ami Brown type numbers, but he still was one of Sam Howell's go-tos, right? We've seen that twice now when he dominated Miami. So I think that we have the weapons, right? They're just not as consistent and they're not as jumping off the page as our guys who have opted out. But I'm hoping that you know, at the end of the day, our O-line just steps up. Like, just make a way out of no... If you can make the... It's easier to make holes for guys like Michael Hart and Javante Williams because they're going to be more patient. But it's going to be an opportunity for British Brooks, who's been a junior. He got, you know, obviously the backseat to Michael and Javante. He's going to step up in a big way. And again, I go back to Emory Simmons, who had a huge game against Notre Dame. I think that he is going to make some plays. As he mentioned, when we had our press conference, he just wants to prove himself. That's why you get recruited at a place like Carolina, because you're going to step up when your time is called. 12.8 yards per play for Daz Newsome. He'll come in as the new number one option. Five touchdowns on the year. Uh, we got Candace Cooper here from Locked on Heels. Candace, you just mentioned it. Mike Elko, Texas A&M defense coordinator, brought this up in post-conference earlier this week. Talking about how balanced of a team North Carolina really is. They had 27 passing touchdowns, 35 rushing touchdowns. Those are pretty average numbers. But you look at the offensive line. 29 total sacks this season taken by Howell, 30 allowed on the year by the likes of the Tar Heels. When you look at AM's defensive line, does that worry you some now that you don't have a check down option like Carter, a check down option like Williams, who averaged 12.2 yards after the catch and was great in open space? When you see that, does that worry you now that AM is playing at full strength? Oh, 100% because I know my O-line, right? I know we have grown. We are not there yet. And I know that in the day it helps when you have superstars like De'Ami Brown and Michael Carter and Javante to honestly make plays look a lot better and had those extra yards that you probably weren't going to get with someone who is sort of average in the sense, right? So I do think that that's going to be our biggest test. I think that Jordan Tucker is going to have to step up. I think Joshua Azudu is going to have to play one of his best games. Brian Anderson being under center, he is going to have to help Sam as much as he can and I you know I try this team from the O-line standpoint has been a lot more vocal a lot better because we had Charlie Heck last year who's now with the Texans come in and really just you know this is what it is guys we have somebody has to lead and I think as a group they're older they're wiser but when you look at Texas A&M's defense who is what 14th defensively in the country or is it 14th or 17th they're 11th 11th Uh, even 
even worse, right? Yeah, they're loving. <laughs> they're third in run defense too. Okay, so yes, exactly. So I think it's just going to make for a long day. But at the hey, this is what we got to go up against, and it, it's a big eye test. Where are we? We say we want to be in the top conversations with the Clemson's and Notre Dame's, but hey, we have a big formidable opponent in the SEC right here. So it's going to be a long day, but a good day. You have a top 15 recruiting class once again under Mac Brown. The guy is 69 years old. He will be 70 coaching next year, and he will finish with two top 25 recruiting classes for the likes of UNC. You got to give a lot of credit to that man. But much like we got to give a lot of credit to him, we got to give a lot of credit to our sponsor, betonline.ag. We have college football winding down. The college football playoffs are at an all-time high, and with the NFL season closing up, the AFC and NFC playoff pitchers are getting a little clearer. The one place that we always trust is betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore because they always provide the games of the week, the top games in college football, plus expert betting online spreads that will help you make the right call. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore and get in the action. Don't forget to use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag for 50% off your welcome bonus when you make your first deposit. Also go visit our good friends at betonline underscore ag on social media to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Betonline.ag, your online sportsbooks experts. Locked on Aggies and Locked on Tar Heels. That's right. It is a crossover episode today here on the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson and Candace Cooper back in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure that you are listening to our brand new show, Locked on Bets, with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. They give you up-to-date information, the best bets of the week, helping you earn some extra cash in 2021. Make sure you start your year off right with a little bit more moolah if I'm talking about it. Make sure you listen every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com, wherever you get your podcast listening systems. All right, so listen, Cole, I know that there has been a lot of conversation about not being in the college football playoffs. Cool. I've had a chance to listen to Jimbo Fisher talk about you know, how the team is feeling. A lot of guys, you know, players were talking like they were a little frustrated, but Jimbo seems fine, fine with it. He seems like he is ready to really enjoy the Orange Bowl. He, he talked about being a traditionalist and enjoying, you know, the old school way of enjoying bowls. So what do you think kind of energy that will bring going into this matchup? So I think the biggest thing of all, and I was there for the, I was able to listen to the press conference and join in. He understands how the way college football works and how the SEC is the toughest conference in college football. And I think anyone who watches significantly college football understands this is the bread and butter and the pinnacle bourgeois of the of college football because it does just mean more. I mean, you look at all the teams that were ranked at the start of the season and how they finished out in an all-SEC schedule, they really look actually a lot better than you think. But a 24-hour period was what AM was allowed to have in morning process. They understood that they felt gypped after finishing the year on a 7-0 run. But you look at how the team built a big repertoire together with a defense that has only improved in the year three under Mike Elko, with an offense that really stepped up and relied heavily on their run game, but trusted that Kellen Mond could be a good third down efficient player to keep the ball moving, keep the clock in favor of the Aggies, and also allowing their defense enough time to rest up to put up big numbers like that. So going into this game, I think a lot of Aggies are here to show we want to be in that top four conversation. 
expectation, not just this year, but every year. We want to show we're a game away from tying up with the Nick Sabans of the world and the Georgias and the Floridas. We're right there. This is not a one-year program. And when you look at how many players decide to opt in, even though they could have opted out, whether they decide to go to the NFL draft at the end of the year, whether they're seniors and they do not come back for that fifth-year option that was given by the NCAA, they're here to show we've earned this and we're going to show AM fans what they have to look forward to in 2021. Should they win on Saturday, they likely will finish with a top four ranking depending on the scores of the other two games. If that's the case, that would be the highest ranking AM has ever had since 1939. I think that that alone puts them in a position of why they're there to play. Do you think that's more frustrating, though, if you dominate a team like Carolina and you end up watching Notre Dame get blasted by Alabama and you see maybe Ohio State get throttled by Clemson? Does that make it more frustrating or are you just happy with your bowl win? I think it's a mix. You know, the biggest thing of all will be the game will be played, you know, tonight and A&M won't be played until tomorrow. So we have a day to, you know, watch and figure out what we could have missed. But you cannot also deny A&M lost by 28 to the likes of Alabama with Jalen Waddle on the field. Maybe that score would have been closer if Waddle would have opted out at the start of the season. Maybe if they hit their stride at the right time, it would have been closer. But I still feel like Alabama is slightly a better team offensively because of the weapons that have surrounded Mac Jones this year. And, you know, when you look at all that, you could also say that Notre Dame, they get blown out by Clemson. But... They also have a win over Clemson, which whether you want to say it or not, Trevor Lawrence or not, they still have a win. And a win will always talk more than a loss ever has. So in a way, I think that most players understand it is unfair that this is how it has to go. But same time, if we get a win, we show the College Football Playoff Committee they were wrong. It shows the country the College Football Playoff Committee was wrong. It shows the system has its flaws. And more than anything else, you understand that we proved to ourselves we were deserving of it. Whether or not they think that they are or they aren't, you can say they are that they've deserved it. And the biggest thing I look at is, what was it, two or three years ago, uh, you, know, you saw Scott Frost and UFC claim themselves to be the national champions because they were the last undefeated team. I mean – Nobody took seriousness in that, but at least people started having the conversation. Well, they were undefeated. Why did we not include them in the college football playoffs, you know, postseason? You can have the same conversation with AM with a big time win over UNC. No doubt. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Kelamon. You mentioned Sam Howell. When we put the numbers up against one another, Kelamon has certainly been a quarterback who has grown in a lot of ways, but stagnant. When I look at his numbers from 2018 to 2019, he had way more completions in those two years than he has in the year 2020. What do you attribute that most to? Do you think he's had less weapons and opportunities, or would you say he's just taking a slight dip? All right, so Kellen Mond, you have to realize he lost his go-to target in Jamon Osmond at the very start of the season with an opt-out. That was the name that a lot of people were very shocked opted out because of he was the go-to weapon. He already lost Courtney Davis, who played a lot of like that gadget player that you see Kadarius Tony play for Florida, lines up in the Z, lines up in the slot, kind of has a little bit of everything. He lost his big man in Kendrick Rogers to the NFL draft, and then he loses the slot always go to target Osmond, who was his first read most of the season. 
He also lost Baylor Cup, a five-star prospect tight end who has yet to see the field in two years. And then on top of that, by week three, his number one option, Caleb Chapman, went out with a torn ACL. So the numbers were, of course, going to deplete a little bit, but I want to talk a little bit more about how he's really stepped up in the past few weeks when it comes to avoiding pressure. This season, AM has only allowed four sacks against SEC opponents, one coming against LSU, two coming in the very first game of the season against Vanderbilt, and one coming against Auburn. That shows from 33 to 4, not only has the offensive line improved, his vision has improved in the pocket. He's willing to step up and make the right throws. You look at his uh, you look at his passer rating throughout the season. Only twice, once actually, has it dropped below 100, and his QBR rating has been roughly around 90-ish, 94 range for a majority of the year. His highest it got was uh, against Auburn, where he finished 96.4. For a while, this was the best third down team in the country, moving the ball. And when you watch the way that the offense plays, it's a lot of intermediate passes. It's not a lot of deep shots. I think the longest play of the day of the year for Mon this season, it has been a 40-yard you know throw from arm to actual target. That came to Chase Lane, I think, in week four or five against Mississippi State. Outside of that, AM really has relied on short, consistent plays. And maybe that's not what you want from a guy who's a fourth-year starter, but it's worked. 19 touchdowns, only three interceptions on the year. When you look at the interceptions as well, he had one in his final game against, um, against Tennessee. He had one against Alabama, who has one of the best secondaries, and a really bad one that was tossed up and muffled by like six different um Mississippi State players. So it's not as if he threw every single pass in the wrong direction. So you have to take the good with the bad, which was low touchdown ratio, but low turnover ratio as well. Right. So let's switch gears here and talk about this defense because you've got some dogs. <laughs> Let me just yeah. go start off by saying you've got some serious dogs who love to sack right we've got Mr. Bobby Brown the third who clearly just is sack king himself but who else can you attribute to this powerful defense and how will they be able to stop Sam Howell on Saturday so I'm gonna go with the biggest name of all that is DeMarvin Leal this is a five-star prospect who finished with 2.5 sacks on the year three pass deflections at the line of scrimmage including an interception that he brought back 43 yards against Alabama he also has a forced fumble and a fumble recovery on the year you watch him play this is not your average defensive lineman in fact he's one of the few players who probably will be a first round pick from this group because of he is six foot four, 290 pounds, can play the three tech, the five tech, line up in the nose position, has this pass rushing ability of Miles Garrett and the speed of Von Miller. This is one of those interesting players that doesn't fit a mold somewhere on the defensive line. And he creates pressure no matter where he's lined up. So I look at him and I believe that he could be in a very very big process of having a shot to break out against this offensive line, probably make a big time play on third down. Last season, his biggest game came in the Texas Bowl against Chuba Hubbard and Spencer Sanders at Oklahoma State. I think he continues to build on this and really solidifies himself as an up and coming tier one prospect going into the 2022 NFL draft. 
that is pretty high remarks coming from you, Cole, because I know you do not, you shoot it straight and I appreciate that. So you don't give mix any bones around here. But when you look at the fight in the trenches, when it comes to offensive line, defensive line, who are you giving it to when it comes to Texas A&M or Carolina? I'm going to go with A&M. Listen, they have the number three ranked uh, run defense in the country this year. They have a top 12 unit when it comes to overall tendencies in, in total defense. And they do have weapons on the outside. This is freshman Jalen Jones, uh, senior Miles Jones. They will be without Devin Morris, but rookie uh, freshman Antonio Johnson really has stepped up in the past two games that Morris has missed time playing that run defensive player. He's a hybrid kind of corner Um quarterback safety kind of style. So he really is better fit for the dime, but he's played well in the nickel. I think having that extra defender and a guy like Damani Richardson and Leon O'Neal, who are versatile safeties, they can play the run. They can play the pass. They're really setting themselves up to hold running backs to limited carries, which means how will be forced to pass. And when he's forced to pass without his main weapon, I believe that that's where A&M can kind of really win. They're really great at stopping third down, just as good as they are at offense converting on third down. Now, let's wrap up this conversation with some rapid fire questions. I know you have some. I know you're trying to figure out whether or not Carolina is going to be able to do it because of our offense. A huge 4,000 yards worth of offense going to play in the NFL on Sundays, which is great. However, we could have used them certainly on Saturday. But first, make sure you guys download, subscribe to Locked On Podcast Network. We have so many opportunities for you guys to listen to all your favorite teams every single day for up to 30 minutes. You can listen to Cole. You can listen to me in our respective schools. You can also listen to Locked On College Football. We have a great group of guys up there who are lo- who love to talk sports with us every single day. So make sure you guys download, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, leave five stars, leave a review let us know how much you love us we really appreciate it every single time now as we end this thing my first question here with a win over Carolina do you feel like this solidifies where Texas A&M is going or do you still feel like they need a big win under their belt to feel like there's improvement in this program I believe it trends in the right direction because of how himself how is a quarterback that a lot of people are going to view as possibly the number one pick in the 2022 NFL draft. This is a top 15 program. This is a team that has done a great job at recruiting with Mac Brown, another top 15 top 25 finish under the 69 year old head coach. I think that when you look at what AM has done, especially when they were able to go finish with another top 10 recruiting class this season, now it is an entire Jimbo Fisher roster. As long as they figure out who will be replacing Ma next year at quarterback, whether that be Zach Calzada, Haynes King, or freshman Eli Stowers, they're going to be in a very good place to build for the upcoming season. And I believe that with the players who will remain on the defense, they're only going to boost Mike Elko's credit to potentially become a head coach in 2022. Nice. My last question for you, I have Jimbo. When I type in his name, it goes immediately to Jumbo. How often does that happen for you as well? I would go four to five times a week (laughs) to type it in and look up quotes. It literally automatically goes to Jumbo. And even when you type it in, I feel like sometimes they don't, like Google does not let me also go back and finish where it goes. Do you mean Jimbo Fisher? No, it's just just Jumbo Fisher. It's like some Fisher Price tool, like toy. That's what it always pulls up. I mean, it's amazing. Candice, my question's for you. I got four for you real fast. Four passing yards. Kellen Mond or Sam Howell? Sam Howell, without question. 
when you look at the rushing attack for both these teams, bigger breakout for Texas A&M or a resurgence from the future of the Carolina offense? Not even going to lie, bigger breakout for Texas A&M only because I think the moment is going to get a little big for our Tar Heels. I want so bad for them to relish in the fact that they are this kind of top team. But whenever we A, play at night, it gets scary and we lose our way. And B, play teams that we feel like we're good enough, we somehow just trip up and stutter step. So I'm a little nervous. Chaz Surrett has opted out for this game, leading linebacker 91 total tackles this year. Which player steps up in Surrett's place? Ooh, Jeremiah Gimmel, he has been what a lot of, you know, Coach Bateman has said he is the leader of this defense. And if it's not going to be him, it's going to be Taman Fox. However, I do feel like Jeremiah Gimmel is going to be the guy that steps up in a big way. Looking at the secondary, which player has the best shot of picking off Kellen Mond? Trey Morrison is going to get our turnover belt. I feel it in my spirit. We don't see it often with our secondary, but I am hoping that it comes out on Saturday because it does change the momentum of our defense. When we do big plays, when we create turnovers, those guys start to feel themselves because they know they are the weaker side of the ball. So anytime we can get a turnover, man, it's going to be a long day for the opposing team. One final question. I think you know exactly what question this is going to be. Texas A&M is favored by 7.5 points presented by the great people of Bet Online AG. Candice, final score predictions and who is the MVP of the 2021 Orange Bowl? That is a great question. Now, when I have to really sit back and think, I know what my heart says. But deep down, I can never bet against the house. So I'm always going with the heels. They're going to get it done, okay? Despite having four major opt-outs, we're still going to be able to get through all of that. Despite not being in a major bowl game in the past 70 years, we're still going to compete. And so when it's all said and done, I believe the final score will be 42-35 Carolina. So at least it's seven points, but it is going to be take the under. Take yes. the under if take you are a Tar Heel fan. Yes. If you are an Aggies fan, bet big, bet large, bet at home. Kellen Mond ends his college football career on a positive note with a New Year Six victory under his belt. Listen, the run game of AM is so underrated that Anaya Smith and Devon Shane both were able to score three touchdowns or more on the rushing attack, and they still we're being balanced with Isaiah Spiller finishing third in the SEC rushing. You look at the way the AM defensive line has been playing, the way that the offensive line at North Carolina has struggled, and you look at how many opt-outs did happen on the offensive side of the ball. I would take the points big. I'm going to go 42 to 21 in favor of the Aggies. MVP goes to Kellen Mond, ends his career off right, and Jimbo Fisher, congratulations. Year three, you are showing the Aggies exactly what they are paying for. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies and Locked on Heels. Candace Cooper, let the good people of Locked on Aggies know where they can follow you. Please follow me at Candace D. Cooper. I love to talk to all of my college football fans as we gear up again for the Locked on College Football Monday show. That's our national show. It's a great time to listen to everybody from all conferences. We get an opportunity to talk to respective teams, their power five conferences, and whether or not they feel good about this college football championship, which is coming around the bend as well. So Cole, I really appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the conversations that we always get to have. You are invited on my show anytime. You know, if Carolina gets a chance to play, you know, a little hoops there, you're also invited to be a guest.
Cannot wait. Make sure you're following me at Mr. Cole Thompson. Make sure you're following us at Locked on Aggies. Subscribe to both Locked on Aggies and Locked on Tar Heels. Wherever you get your podcast listening systems, on Monday's show, we will be breaking down, hopefully, a Texas A&M victory to close out the 2020 season. For Candace Cooper, for Cole Thompson, I am Cole Thompson. We will see you on Monday. And remember, you're good, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.